Hello, and welcome to Coverage, a podcast for professional painters by professional painters. I'm your host, Craig Bunting. I began my career as a professional painter. Now I work for Benjamin Moore as Director of Professional Marketing in support of pro painters. In this series, I'm checking in with some of the best in our business. We're going to hear their stories, things we can learn from, things that make us laugh. Let's get started. All right. Hello, everybody. I'm here with Jeff and Joel from Aloft Group out of Ontario, Canada. Hey, guys, how are you? Good, Craig. Great to hear your voices. It just so happens that I was able to meet both of you in person, which is sometimes a little unusual for for this particular podcast. Oftentimes we meet remotely, but you you happen to be in our offices recently. Yeah, we had a great trip down to uh, New Jersey with Mike Munweiler actually took us through your labs and was able to show us the uh, the head offices as well. So yeah, thanks for making the trip down. Mike's a tremendous asset of ours and really our technical expert, as I'm sure you guys experience. He can talk most of us under the table when it relates, as it relates to paint. So I'm glad you're able to make it down. We're really proud of what we have here, not only our headquarters where you were, but also our R&D facility, which is about 40 miles or so west of where I'm sitting in our HQ now. You guys were able to make it out there as well, right? We were, yeah. It was it was a super interesting opportunity for us because we really hadn't kind of seen the nuts and bolts of how the paint we use is made. Um, and tested and all that sort of good stuff. So it was it was interesting for both of us to be able to walk around there and um, kind of get get an up close look as to how you guys are testing your products and and the stuff we're using, what's going into actually like making those products. So that was great. Yeah, thanks, Joel. I appreciate that. And and it goes both ways for us, right? I mean, it, it really is fantastic to get just direct feedback from from those folks who know know the business the best and do it every day. And that's. That's one of the things that you're able to help us with. So, so thanks again. Thanks again for that. Uh, Aloft. So tell me about the name. How'd you come up with it? What does it mean? I'll let, I'll let Jeff tell that story. Actually, he likes to, he likes to iterate that one. So, so technically when people call it Aloft, it, it, it rattles Joel's cage a bit. <laughs> Sometimes I'm getting over it. <laughs> Simple short story on that was we were trying to come up with a name for the company that wasn't J and J painting or Jeff and Joel painting or the name of our city. And we wanted a name that we could register the business license, also register the domain name. So it matched the company, something from just a real simple level of making it easy for people to find us. We went through like a bunch of different names and we probably went through the same process. Most guys go through where you use big words that you don't understand and, you know, things that make you sound really important. And, uh, Joel said, uh, he called me one day and he says, what do you think about a loft? And I'm like, we have the domain name. Can we register it? He's like, yes. I'm like, at this point, I don't care. And then Joel worked with his friend is a graphic designer. They put together like a really nice looking logo. The name stuck um, and, and it's worked ever since. So that's, that's, that's where that came from. Yeah. Hey, that's your story and you're sticking to it, right? I have a feeling there might be a little more behind the scenes there with uh, the dynamic between <laughs> between you and Joel and the name, but maybe we'll just stick with the dynamic. So you guys work with each other every single day. How does that work? So how do you how do you both sort of coexist? And there must be a handful of stories here. They're both, both really positive and maybe some that are a little <laughs> more full attention um, that, that might help some folks ultimately kind of hearing what what works? Funny enough, we talked to a few guys recently about this, just sort of kind of asking us how we've made this last. It's kind of like a marriage, right? People just assume it's going to end in divorce. But I think we're we're kind of lucky that like we were buddies before we got into a business partnership together. So we already had that friendship there, regardless of what type of business it is. I think it's more so about kind of communicating effectively 
not taking stuff personally. Like we're pretty good at arguing things out and not getting getting really heated about it. It's better to just kind of hear out everyone's point of view. We're always going to have a different kind of angle at it, which I think is like a huge advantage for us that we've got a two-pronged approach to almost any issue or job or whatever the case may be. Letting the other person speak and respecting what they have to say and kind of stepping back sometimes when you're the way you think about a certain job or a certain issue you're having as a partnership. I, I think sometimes we don't see eye to eye on certain projects that we might take on. And usually I'm to blame for that. <laughs> um, I'll push the boundaries a little bit. And there's been some home runs in there that are good. There's been some failures in there where, you know, Joel doesn't say, hey, I told you so, but I don't forget that he told me how bad of an idea that was. So <laughs> I, I think where we really align is that the moral compass points in the same direction and, and foundationally what we want to give to our clients, that's, that's kind of unwavering. And, and maybe we have two different styles to get there, but it, it's good because if we followed all of just my ideas or all of just Joel's ideas, I don't think we'd be as successful as we are. Yeah. So it sounds like you had a bit of an advantage going in, in the sense that, you know, you guys had a friendship beforehand, which is a, is probably a very, very big difference in, in what some folks deal with. But what strikes me about, you know, our conversation that we had, you know, very quickly and, and casually was how willing you are to kind of take a step back and say, all right, what's working? What's not? What do we have to change? And, and the guts to kind of take a leap to make a big change. One of the examples that we should probably talk about, you know, the, the shift from an employee model, uh, maybe to more of a subcontractor model, that watershed moment where you thought, all right, we, we need to kind of change the way we do things just a bit. And th- this is a path we want to explore and how we go down it. I could, I could probably start there, like as a good segue as to what we were talking about partnership wise. Like when we had started talking about potentially looking at a sub model versus having employees. I was probably the guy who was more conservative and like wanted the control in house more. Jeff would have been the guy, as he said, he's usually the one who's riskier. So I guess the, you just kind of relinquishing a bit of an uncomfortable amount of control. Um, Jeff, you can probably elaborate a little bit more on the, like the ins and outs. You're, you're bang on. Like it was hard to like relinquish control. Like I think every business owner wants, if you could, you'd wear every hat. What's helped us be successful is, we know where our shortcomings are. Basically, we use Estimate Rocket to calculate our estimates. So it's very solid in terms of being able to evaluate people because most painters will come in and they're going to tell you that they're going to set the world on fire with their paint skills, but they don't deliver or they don't deliver day in, day out. We had one employee where we isolated him on his own one day and he just he really underperformed. That was a pattern we were seeing. So, so we had a conversation with him. You know, I said, like, how long would it take you to paint that door frame over there? He's like, oh, about seven minutes. I'm like, okay, that's fine. So we give you about an hour in the budget to do that. You know, how long would it take you to do 100 square feet of walls? He's like, oh, do that in no time, right? So like, well, perfect. Today, I measured out what you accomplished. And in about seven hours, you accomplished two hours of budget. So that was like kind of the green light for me of, why do we take on all this risk? Why do we bend over backwards to, to make sure people are looked after when it didn't feel reciprocated? And I wanted to share some of that accountability with people for two reasons. One, I like knowing what our margins are going to be and, and you know not having them waiver. So I, I got three kids under five, two of them are in daycare. Things don't go hot at home. If I tell my wife we didn't get paid this week, Look, if I can shift the accountability, I, everybody knows that they can paint a, a door frame in 10 minutes when we give them an inflated budget. So why don't I'm just going to pay you in piecework 
And I'm just kind of shifting the dynamic of how you approach your jobs. So you might make more money than you were on an hourly basis. But if you kind of throw in the towel one day up with your effort or lousy quality, well, you've got to answer for that. And Joel and I are paying you to go fix your own mistakes. As you've made this shift, right? I mean, you shifted your business model completely. And from a system standpoint, what you've got in the back office, I have to imagine there was a bit of an impact, right? The way in which people are paid, your budget allocation, the way perhaps even estimates are done. But can you speak a bit about the systems that you use? And if you had to adapt or change any of them when you made the business shift to be a little bit more on the sub side than the, than the employee side? It's definitely very different, right? You have to kind of approach it in a completely different way. It's, it's a good feeling knowing you've got cost certainty and all those things. But now you kind of take on a different role from the systemic standpoint. Yes, we lean on Estimate Rocket and we've kind of made it our own. It's not like one size fits all when you just start using it, right? But like we we lean heavily on how many hours a specific job is going to take. If it's one bedroom and we've given you five hours to, to roll out the walls and do the trim, we know that's really accurate. So we can really lean on that. And it's given us the confidence kind of to like hold the, the subs accountable because we know they're really fair budgets. We set it up so that they should be beating the budget, which in turn makes them a lot more money. Even if they don't beat the budget, they still make good money. But if you beat the budget, you're making really good money. It gives us the ability to kind of order paint very accurately and not have overages that we would have had before, or before we had better systems in place, no wasting and not like ceiling paint not going missing off sites and going to some other guy's side job or anything like that. Like you know exactly how much we need. And if there's if 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 your guys are asking for more, let's talk about why. You know, didn't soak in a lot more than you thought, did not cover right, didn't need a third coat, you didn't think it would. It's like forced accountability really for for everyone actually, even on us. We expect our crews, like if it's an unfair time budget, if I go into an estimate and I totally miss something, I'm I'm all ears to hear as to why what I missed and why that's for us to take on the chin and they we make them whole and make sure that they're taken care of but then we move ahead and the mistake doesn't happen going forward does that does those instances where you know there's something you didn't see coming and maybe it's you know what we we didn't have this aspect right and something has changed or we missed it and therefore we have to apply this this calculatable change to everything that happens has has that occurred this morning (laughs) joel's finding out right now sorry um I just got off the phone with one of our guys. You might just kick me right off the, the, the podcast here, but we, we walked through this house, <laughs> quoted it. You know, when I reflect on like, what was I thinking when I went through the quote, I'm like, yeah, that trim's really yellow. I didn't go through the process of like, well, we need to oil prime. That. That's oil paint. We need to oil prime. It. You know, you have to give that budget to them because that's just fair. In the grand scheme of things, it doesn't cost us that much money. If you look at it annually, it, in fact, it's almost a tool to buy more loyalty with your guys because we're not fighting them on these things. It's like, hey, look, I made a mistake. So we'll add that to your budget because in this case, they see how we come up to these these numbers, how we come to these figures. And you're going to watch me add that to the budget and then boom, okay, we're going to add whatever the number is, 20 hours to your budget. For us, that's 20 hours that we take on the chin. You know, what you're saying about building the loyalty with with your with your teams, I think is is brilliant and it's it's spot on. And you know, at least from my perspective, the key to longevity is obviously doing great work. That's a big, big part of it. But the reputation is probably more important because it'll sink you, right? You know, if you have a blip here or there in terms of production, those things happen. But if your reputation 
stumbles, that's a much, much deeper hole to dig out of. Can you talk a bit about that repeat business, the percentage that it takes up, and then how you identify and keep an eye on it? Because I imagine it's a very important metric for you. Last year was the first time we really like summarized it. Uh, we looked at maybe 50 to 55% of the business was repeat. That was kind of surprising to me, to be honest. And then referrals was second at about 25% of the business. That kind of also exposes maybe like a problem. Why aren't we using our relationships and reputations to go out and ask for more business? And I think the answer a year ago would be like, we couldn't handle anymore. And so now that we have extra management to help us manage business, that's something that is on our agenda probably to close out the rest of this year is how do we now crank up our referral numbers and start asking clients for more business. It's important to have that data so that way you can make these decisions. So from a customer satisfaction standpoint, to have that many that much business come from prior customers, you're, you're clearly doing something right. How do you do that? What's the what's driving those referrals? What What is it that you're doing? Yeah, I think the secret sauce there in dealing with customers, especially, and, and Jeff and I always say that, like, you just do the right thing in every scenario. And whether you've got to sacrifice something on your end to get that done, it's really important to to stick to that. That will translate back to your customer and they'll they'll appreciate that because that's what people go on and write reviews about online. And that's how you grow your business. People now, like they rely so much on going to Google and looking at the reviews that you've got. People don't care as much about the quality of the painting because that's that's assumed, right? They want to be treated like any other customer in any other business. And they want to be treated with respect and and dealt with honestly. We had like one example of that was one of our subs went in and stained two brand new staircases, 16 grand worth of staircases. And they did rookie mistakes, like sanded against the grain, stained it. Like it was so bad that it actually worked to our advantage because the client, and the contractor were obviously really mad, you know, and you get the phone call of Jeff, we need to meet you on site. And, it, you know, you get all the pictures, you're like, Whew, like, that's bad. Happened to be sitting with some friends that day too. And I'm like, look how bad our stairs are. And I was also panicked because I'm thinking, okay, we're staring down the barrel of a pretty big either insurance claim or, you know, out of pocket. So I met with a builder uh, and the homeowner. It, most of those homeowners sleep on that all night and, and they're ready to go. Like, like they're, they're ready to fire all their points across at you and tell you, like, you know, how incapable you are. And we looked at it and I said, you know, there's good news here. And she's like, what's that? And I'm like, there's nothing to debate. We need to fix this. And if I was in your shoes and this is a brand new staircase, this is garbage. And I'm like, it's hard for me to look somebody in the eye after I've told them how great our company is and how professional we are. And then we give you this. So we looked at it and like, there's, there's going to be one of two options here. You're either getting a new staircase on our dime, uh, which again is an inconvenience to you. I understand that doesn't make you hundred percent whole per se, or I'm like, do you mind letting me try and fix this? And, and ultimately what we did was we took our time to fix the mistake, honestly, and we reworked a couple of trends that she was really happy with. And you would say, okay, that's a new staircase. I said, we're going to book this on a weekend and uh, we ship them up to a really, really nice resort in Muskoka in Ontario. It's really high end. And uh, the reason for that is like, you know, again, we're displacing you from your home. That's, that's annoying. That client was over the moon. She got back. We got the work delivered, like as promised, you got our new staircase and the whole family got like one heck of a trip. That cost us a few grand, like in terms of like, we did compensate our sub a little bit, 
I look at that almost as a marketing tool because that 1200 bucks, she's going to tell her friends that, hey, these guys are crazy. They, they did the right thing. They, you know, they didn't spare any expense and they got it done. And I, I think that's, those are the stories that get out there and people talk about, and that's what affects your reputation. We own it. We'll get this right. And if we don't, we'll make it right. So it's a, it's a fantastic story and, and a great approach. And I think if you think about what that customer is going to mean to you over the next pick a number, 20 years, the 1200 bucks for the weekend is nothing over the course of 20 years. It's, it's nothing but they may impact hundreds of thousands of dollars of business coming your way because you, know, you did the right thing. Was that, is that an instance where I assume Joel did not say, I told you so in that case. <laughs> I was just, I just thought maybe like, you know, an okay hotel would have been enough. <laughs> You're listening to Benjamin Moore's coverage, a podcast for professional painters by professional painters. Now let's get back to our interview. So in most cases, I think most people who hear this are going to think that the staircase was a bit of a disaster, perhaps both of them. One of the things that uh, I know you mentioned at one point around disaster planning, maybe start from the beginning. What, what is it to you? And then, and then how do you prepare? Um, I, I can start there if you want. Um, I think it, it, com- it definitely comes with experience. That is something that like, you just can't, you can't put it on a chalkboard and teach to, them, to somebody. It's, it's an experiential thing. And you have to kind of make mistakes, unfortunately, to, to try and prepare for disasters down the road. Specific to our business, we've just been around now for like close to 10 years and we've made enough mistakes and luckily not suffered hugely from them and been able to then, when in looking forward, just prepare for all those things that are like, just like the staircase, like just let's avoid that in the future at all costs. Is it, predict- is it predictable? Yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead, Jeff. Just forecasting what potential problems might arise on each job and and with each client each client's different too right so all that kind of goes into the pot of of making sure things go smooth um, is really just forecasting those potential potential problems and putting stop gaps in place I just thought of something as we were talking as far as like a different kind of disaster that we try and mitigate is managing our crews and who's best suited to do that and with what crews. Everyone's got a different personality. Everyone, more hard-nosed people are better with this crew. More soft people are better with this crew. And I think recognizing that is another way to like internally avoid disaster because it's not always a disaster that like, yeah, you, you've gone and ruined someone's siding or you ruined their staircase. It's, it can also be like a butting heads with your crew leads. So aligning the right crew with the right personality, that's a, that's a skill. Right in and of itself, and you're not. It's not as if you're spending your. You've got what a few minutes at best to make the assessment and pick, pick the best crew to go with them. Which, you know, I'm sure there are instances where you know it's a. Sometimes you hit it, and sometimes you don't. Right. Oftentimes, I hear guys think of it in terms of just like a percentage of people that are going to be difficult. Usually, you hear about five is the number. Like 95 percent of people are like super easy to deal with, very realistic, and you're going to have that five percent every year. And as you grow, more touch points equals more difficulty. It goes back to forecasting as well. It's like, we'll always tell our guys, like, if you see something that wasn't done by us, but you know is going to be blamed on us, like document it, send pictures so it's time stamped. In a way, like, we're not lawyers, but you, you, you start to like go on the defensive, like while you're performing the project. And I think when they see if we've done an honest effort and it's documented and it's timelined, then I think they realize that, okay, I better, I better just, you know, get this taken care of. So 
it's a good example of, hey, look, mid-job, it's like we need to start taking some pictures here because things are going a little sideways and we know this is going to end up in a, a difficult conversation. So we need to protect ourselves a little bit too. And ultimately, it, it, it makes the conversation for everybody easier at the end. One of the things we, we almost always like to throw in here, and, and we haven't done any prep for this, so I'm, I'm hoping you guys can help me out. We look for a humorous example, right? So almost 10 years in the business, you guys were friends before you got into it. You've got a very unique dynamic going on. If it's another disaster story, we'll take that too. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Joel just, for, the, for those listening, Joel just leaned into the microphone for this one I don't know, time. yeah, I would... You know, it's one that like has turned into a funny story that like was not funny at the time. And uh, Jeff probably knows where I'm going with this. But like um, we had a client that like it, it was it was partially my fault, partially like mostly her fault. But um, she had called, wanted an estimate. And it was like a she had a rental property and I had gone and looked at it and um, I'd quoted it and everything and I, it was kind of ready to go in the hoppers down the road into the schedule. And we had someone cancel on like a Sunday. And I said, I, I, I messaged her and said, Hey, like we can, we can actually pitch you in starting tomorrow. If you really want to get this going, it's a rental. You probably want to get people in there, blah, blah, blah. And yep, go ahead, do, do what you can get in there and get out. Um, I didn't take a deposit. Uh, I just got in there and kind of wanted to get the work done. And she just turned out to be one of those people who just was, was trying, just didn't want to pay. So it turned into like, she disappeared, couldn't get a hold of her. Then we started trying to go the legal routes to try and get the money. It was a sizable enough job that it was worthwhile to go after it. And then all of a sudden, like all over the internet is these slanderous um, reviews, like personally attacking me, not even the business or the quality of the work. So I don't even think she ever saw it. But it was like, it, like one of her one of her great lines was just uh, calling me a nasty piece of work, and um, a, con a con man too. Yeah, it's another big one. So it was just like crazy, like stuff. And I was, what is this? And it just started popping up on all these like random, like Facebook and everywhere, like everywhere you could possibly put a review. Like she did it. Luckily, like through legal ways, we were able to get rid of all of them, and she admitted her wrongs and gave us our money. But um, not before, uh, one of our colleagues printed it off and had it framed. So I, it still sits in my office, like the most substantial review. That's, that's a big long one about how bad of a person I am. Um, it is it's sitting on the office wall now for everyone to read. Cause it just, it turned into a funny story of just like a crazy person, but now it's a joke. No, Jess had cookies made that say con man on them for me. So <laughs> it's, awesome. it's a huge joke now, but it, it was definitely like a bad experience and a disaster at the time for sure. Yeah. Like we created like a whole alter ego for Joel because our graphic designer, I had this wicked picture of Joel, right? Call him in a candid moment, like just kind of tipping a cowboy hat. And uh, <laughs> so I was like, Hey, uh, Jacqueline, can you do me a favor here? And don't ask questions why, but take this picture of Joel and I want you to turn it into a silhouette. And uh, so now it's actually kind of turned into a bit of a badass logo where I want to be the con man because <laughs> we, with with like she also made up like, you know, like a, like an Air Force type logo that says con man. And we went as far to buy him like a pilot's jacket with the lambs, the lambs wool uh, collar. And the, the only problem was the, the jacket was too small. So we never went through with getting the patch, but it is still definitely on my agenda to, to complete 
complete the look of the con man. First of all, Joel, sorry. <laughs> I mean, I know it's funny over. now. I know it's funny now, but I can imagine you roll over in the morning. You, you know, you look it was at tough, the, yeah. your phone, and the whole world's telling you that you're you're a terrible guy. That's not that's not what any of us are looking for. Uh, but it, it's interesting in the sense that it's the first one that that I've heard, at least through this platform or this podcast, where somebody took to the internet, right? And and that's a relatively new thing. It can happen, and and it's one of those that I think you know many many people recently, you know, and maybe even not so recently have experienced it. And it's a it's scary, right? Because it's suddenly out of your control. It's a bit of an unqualified opinion, but that doesn't always matter. And it's out there. And you've you've got to go ahead and try and reel it in. So, so Jeff, was that was that your disaster humorous story, or are you sitting on one too? I mean, we we've got quite a few. <laughs> uh, this is like this is kind of like a, a retread. But um, when I did college pro in university, my my best painter at the time, and I use that term really loosely, she had a friend. He was an artist, so I thought, oh, perfect. He's an artist. He's he's going to be a hell of a painter, and. Um, and again, this is really good decision-making is I send them to this job where a client had just put brand new black, like flagstone on his front porch. He's got like 20 foot colonial, like columns that are being painted in white oil paint. And in the contract, I highlight like, don't get paint on the, uh, uh, like, like we really emphasize that point, but again, poor management. I didn't really hammer home the point to the, uh, the crew. And I just get a call and just, let's call him John. He's like, hey, Jeff, it's John. And, and just, it's like, don't even say anymore. John, I'll be over there. Like, I, I already know. I get over there and this, to this day, just baffles me that, and maybe he did this, I don't know. But it looks like he stepped in a pool of white oil paint and started doing laps on this guy's front porch. Like, you could see every footprint so clear and it's a porous material too. So like, you walk up and it's like, well, you might as well just blow up your patio. And Frank, some of the first words out of my mouth was like, we have insurance. And uh, ultimately, I don't know what the client ended up doing to that day. Like, because again, I think he was just really, he was a really kind of cool guy and accepted the fact that I'm a college student. He's trying to give me a chance. Probably also thinking like, it's kind of my fault too, to trust somebody that's never picked up a brush before. Um, it probably did go through the insurance, but that was the last year I did college pro. <laughs> <laughs> Probably and, uh, for more than but, one reason, right? One of the things that I'm going to take away from this, and I, Joe, I think you said it, was think about the other side. What happens if I don't do it, right? Or if I do do it? What is the other side of that? And then what is the downside here? And I think that in and of itself is a, is a brilliant mental check. Thanks for everything. Uh, thanks for the time. And I can't wait to see you guys. And, and we'll we'll talk through those more of those stories. And <laughs> We'll, uh, we'll, we'll be talking soon. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Greg. Thanks for listening to this episode of Coverage. If you enjoyed this podcast from Benjamin Moore, be sure to subscribe and share it with other professional painters. Follow us on Instagram at Benjamin Moore Pro. DM us with questions, comments, or future topic suggestions. Let us know if you would be interested in being a guest. This is your podcast, and we want to hear from you. In the meantime, stay busy, and we'll see you on the next episode of Coverage.